The following audio is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that this recording will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. Hosea is a prophet, a messenger of God, who's been called by God to go and marry a promiscuous woman. And his marriage is going to give us a bit of a a sense of what it's like for God to be married in covenant relationship with Israel. And today we'll get a, a bit more of that, a bit more of what it's like for God to be in covenant relationship. With Israel. So please read along with me, Hosea chapter 2, starting at verse 1 and going to verse 13. This is the word of the Lord for us. Say to your brothers, You are my people, and to your sisters, you have received mercy. Plead with your mother, plead, for she is not my wife, and I am not her husband that she put away her whoring from her face and her adultery from between her breasts, lest I strip her naked and make her as in the day she was born and make her like a wilderness and make her like a parched land and fill her with thirst. Upon her children also I will have no mercy because they are children of whores. For their mother has played the whore. She has conceived them, sorry, she who conceived them has acted shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers who give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, my oil and my drink. Therefore, I will hedge up her way with thorns. I will build up a wall against her so that she cannot find her fathers. She shall pursue her lovers, but not overtake them. And she shall seek them, but shall not find them. Then she shall say, I will go and return to my first husband, for it was better for me then than now. And she did not know that it was I who gave her the grain, the wine, and the oil, and who lavished on her silver and gold, which they used for barley. Therefore, I will take back my grain in its time and my wine in its season, and I will take away my wool and my flax, which were to cover her nakedness. Now I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and no one shall rescue her out of my hand. And I will put an end to all her mirth, her feasts, her new moons, her Sabbaths, and all her appointed feasts. And I will lay waste her vines and her fig trees, of which she said, These are my wages, which my lovers have given me, 
I will make them a forest, and the beasts of the field shall devour them. And I will punish her for the feast days of the Baals, when she burned offerings to them, and adorned herself with her ring and jewellery, and went after her lovers, and forgot me because of them. What do you think of when I when you hear the word shame? Is shame something that you have felt before? Or is it maybe something that you are feeling even now? Shame is a deep, a deep self-conscious emotion that we experience when what we've wanted to keep secret becomes made known. When someone else's shame is on display, it can even cause an effect on us, can't it? It can cause us to cringe or to, to cover our eyes. Shame is something we don't want to see, we don't want to have in front of us. We seek to hide. The truth is, though, we all have a shame issue. That's because we all have a sin issue. But like trying to keep a pot of boiling pasta under control by just putting the lid on it, shame will eventually overflow. It will eventually become known. Eventually our sins will be exposed and we will be ashamed. How do you deal with your shame? In Hosea 2, Israel finds itself with a a sin issue. It has a shame issue. Although God is like the husband to Israel. They're they're like the wife in covenant marriage relationship with their husband. Israel has been unfaithful to their covenant. They've been worshipping Baal. Baal was worshipped as a god by the inhabitants of Canaan, the, the people in the land when Israel came in and took possession of it. Baal was seen as a god of fertility, a rain god. The belief was that Baal would send his rain to fertilize the land or the the mother goddess, you might say. So the worship of Baal sort of reenacted this marriage. And it involved prostitution at temple shrines to Baal. And these were scattered all over the land of Israel at this time. Despite this, the Lord or Yahweh is being a husband to Israel still. He is showing his love for Israel. He's sheltering them protecting them and providing for their needs. But in chapter 2, God's contention is that he has grounds for divorce with Israel. He's got grounds to returning them to the the state he found them in, in in Egypt. 
It's like they were naked, newborn babies with no one to protect them, no one to shelter them, no, no one to provide for them. No one in Israel will escape the consequences of their sin. They will all be subject to its shame. In verse, verses 1 to 5 of, chat of Hosea 2, Yahweh addresses both the individuals in Israel and Israel collectively. He addresses the individuals through the plural words that are used. Pronouns like your and their. Israel is also addressed collectively through the singular words used. Pronouns like she. This shows that both as individuals and as a nation together, Israel is guilty of unfaithfulness to God. But the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, does it? Generations have been caught up with the sin of unfaithfulness to the covenant with God. And from our viewpoint of about two and a half millennia, it's easy to see that Israel's desire to flourish economically both as a nation and as individuals has drawn them away from their husband, Yahweh. It's drawn them towards lovers, drawn them towards Baal. It's easy enough to see when you're standing on the outside looking in, isn't it? What about when it comes to our own lives? Has your desire to flourish economically drawn you away from God? Do you want Jesus or do you just want the stuff that he can give you? Are you, are you wanting your life to be a walk in the park? Or you, are you willing for it to be a walk with the Lord? See, the stunning fact for Israel and for us is that God gives them over to what they want. And if what you want is not God, then you'll be left empty-handed lost in your shame. We see this in verses 6 and 7. It says, Therefore I will hedge up her way with thorns, and I will build a wall against her, so that she cannot find her paths. She shall pursue her lovers, but not overtake them, and she shall seek them, but shall not find them. Then she shall say, I will go and return to my first husband, for it was better for me then than now. See, hedges in the Bible provide a natural protection from wild animals. They allow the blessing of the land to be cultivated in peace. Hedges keep the bad things out and allow a safe space 
prosperity. We read about in the book of Job when Satan is accusing Job of only worshipping God for the, for the stuff he can get out of the relationship. Satan says, have, says to God, have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. And hedges can be a good thing. They allow protection for prosperity. A hedge of thorns, however, is something that traps and confines like a prison or a detention centre. Proverbs 15 says, The way of a sluggard is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a level highway. It's like a maze that has no exit. You keep wandering around with no way out. Walls too can provide protection. But they also refer to a place of confinement. Lamentations 3. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. Though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with blocks of stones. He has made my paths crooked. The wall that God will build against Israel is not a wall of protection that keeps safe. It's it's like a wall that's laced with barbed. It will keep them imprisoned to the consequences of their unfaithfulness. It will keep them lost in their shame. And even their repentance serves to to feed their selfish desires. Because it's not genuine repentance. Have a closer look with me at, at verse 7 of Hosea 2. She shall pursue her lovers but not overtake them. She shall seek them, but shall not find them. Then she shall say, I will go and return to my first husband, for it was better for me then than now. See, whilst the word return is repentance language, it doesn't point to Israel having a heart that is repentant. See, notice that God is not referred to by his covenant name, Yahweh, or the Lord, as it might appear in our Bibles. Instead, the phrase, my husband, is used. So Israel is not at the point of repenting and returning to God at all. It's like the prodigal parable. They don't want God for who he is. They just want him for his stuff. In their words, they see that it was just better for them then than what it is now. You need to be detoxed from this sort of attitude towards God. And for Israel, this will only be possible through exile. This is a heart issue for Israel. 
They need a change of heart towards God. It's not good enough to just change their practices. They need a change of heart. We all need a change of heart, don't we? There's not something that we can hide from God. Because God knows the heart of all men. Speaking to some Pharisees, Jesus says in Luke 16, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. It doesn't matter how religious you look. It doesn't matter how together it seems to be. God knows what's going on deep down. He knows the sin that causes your shame. John 5, Jesus says, But I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. Something else is residing there. If you just want God for the stuff he can give you, you'll probably see going to church as just another opportunity to solicit material blessing from him. But it doesn't matter what religious things you do or how often you do them. If we're just after his stuff, we will remain trapped, living with sin, living in shame. We need a heart change. That's not something we can do ourselves. God alone can change hearts. Praise God, he's not willing to leave Israel trapped in the shame of their sin. He loves them too much for that. He provides a way out for Israel, but the way is exile. And exile will affect Israel as a people and Israel as a land. Exile will make the truth of God's love for Israel known to his bride. Israel's lack of relationship with God led them to forget God. Led them to forget that it was Yahweh who was blessing them. It was Yahweh who was providing them with a productive land. And Yahweh wasn't stingy in his provision either. No, God says he lavished Israel with silver and gold. God provided for them in abundance. Much like the Garden of Eden, isn't it? He's generous. He's generous in his provision for Israel. He was generous in his provision for them, only to have them take what was his, what he gave to them, and use it to worship Baal. They took what was God's and used it for godlessness. It reminds me of, I don't know if you're a younger brother, 
But younger brothers are weaker than older brothers normally. I don't know if you ever had it where your older brother pinned you down and used your own hands to hit you around the head. It's humiliating, isn't it? Exile will expose what Israel had been doing. It will pull back the covers and reveal what really lies beneath. How would you respond if you found yourself in Hosea's or God's reflective cap? Imagine your spouse comes home after work. They see that the the fridge is fully stocked. The pantry is overflowing. They go into the bedroom, have some new clothes, a new winter jacket and jeans in just their size lying on their side of the bed. 50 bucks cash sitting on the bedside table that wasn't there before. When they come back out, say, how's things? It's great. I've got everything I need and then more. He's going to head next door, give the neighbor a kiss and thank them for it. Imagine then that this goes on week month after month, year after year. The only way to get through to your spouse is to stop doing your job. The only way to get through is to unlock the door. Swing it wide open and invite strangers to come in and ransack that place. That's what we see in the exile. This would make it clear who was behind the provision, wouldn't it? It would make it clear who owns the house. The shame of exile will also prove that false gods are impotent to save Israel. They can do nothing to save Israel from the punishment of their sin. They can do nothing to cover Israel's shame. Verse 10 shows that Baal is no God at all. Baal is no husband to Israel. That's the point behind God's uncovering Israel's shame in the sight of her lovers. A true husband would not see his wife standing out in the open, uncovered, and do nothing about it, would they? A true husband covers his wife. If Baal had any power, it's at that point he would cover Israel. It's at that point he would save them. Not only does a a true husband cover his wife, a true wife seeks covering from her own husband. 
that you? Does that describe you today? Where do you seek covering from your shame, from your sin? When we are grappling with the shame of our sin being exposed, there are a few options we have to choose from for doing this. We can try to just ignore our sin and shame, can't we? Ignorers seek to deal with their sin by working hard at being good, hoping the shame of their sin will just go away, disappear. Friends, that's like trying to stop a pot of boiling pasta by simply putting a lid on it. That's one method we can employ, but that method will fail. Or we could employ the fig leaf method that Adam and Eve made famous in the Garden of Eden. We try to hide our shame by covering it ourselves. Self-coverers seek to deal with their sin through misdirection. They try to do the kind of things that will make well, their hearts look good. They'll do this in an attempt to cover their sin, to keep it hidden from others. Maybe they try to hide the influence money has on their lives by appearing generous with what they've got. Deep down, they're not generous at all. Deep down, they obsess over money. Whether they got much or not, it doesn't matter. They obsess. That's all they can think about. See, people who have got a truly generous heart don't need a lot of money to be generous with it, do they? They give it anyway. But there is a third You don't just have to ignore it. You don't just have to seek to cover it yourself. The third option we have is to have our shame covered by our true husband, Jesus. It's because only God can cover our shame. There is nothing we can do to cover it ourselves. Only God can do that. He knows our shame. He sees our shame. And if we are willing, he covers our shame. In Psalm 32, King David speaks of what it's like for him to do this. He says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, 
and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. For David, the shame of his sin struck at the very core of his existence. Living under the burden of sin was like living with bones that are wasting away and it hurts to move. It was like having his strength sapped from his body. This sort of thing, what it's like in an Aussie summer when there's no aircon available. Is that how you feel today? Is the shame of your sin heavy upon you? Does it feel like your bones are wasting away? Is your energy sapped from your body? Friends, you don't have to live that way. You don't have to seek to try and just ignore your sin and shame. Put a lid on it and hope it goes away. That will fail. You don't have to try and cover it over with other things. It's like saying there's nothing to see here. It will become obvious. We cannot hide it from God. Friends, if this is you, stop ignoring your sin. Stop ignoring your shame. Stop trying to cover it over. Do what David did. Confess to God. Go to the Lord Jesus and allow your true husband to cover you. See, as an animal gave its life and was stripped of its covering so that Adam and Eve's sin and shame could be covered. Jesus gives his life to provide covering for our sin and shame. Jesus was stripped of his honour and exposed on the cross in the sight of everyone. But this wasn't for his shame. On the cross, he he bore our sin. Our shame was upon him. On the cross, he died taking the punishment for our sin and shame. Our sin and shame, if we have trusted in the Lord Jesus, if we have confessed it and taken it to him, our sin and shame is covered by his blood. And now we are living clothed in his righteousness. Hosea's message is a message to the people of God. A message today, it's a message for God's church. God is calling his people, he's pleading with them. To return to him. Return to Jesus, our true husband. 
to remember that he is the one that provides for our needs. He is our saviour. Jesus calls the church collectively and as individuals to be faithful to him, to trust in him, him for all that they need. Have you done that? Are you doing that still? Or is that just something that took place once upon a time? How are you dealing with the shame of your sin? Are you trying to ignore it? Are you trying to cover it yourself? Friends, if you are, that will fail. He will give you what you want and you will be trapped in the shame of your sin. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you give us the living word and and you show us that you know us as we truly are. Lord, we thank you that you see our sin and shame, that we cannot hide it from you, although we may be able to put others off off the scent. Lord, I thank you that that is a good thing. The being seen as we truly are by the loving God of the universe is a good thing. Because like a true husband, you are not willing for our shame to just go exposed forever. You give us a way out. That you have provided a covering that will truly covering cover our sin and shame, that you alone deal with it and you have dealt with it and you have given us opportunity to come and have our sin dealt with. We acknowledge that on the cross, Jesus was scorned. He was seen as shameful, stripped bare for all to see. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you did this in love for us as a true husband would and that you offer for all of us to come and be covered by your righteousness, covered by your covering. So Father, I ask your spirit will be at work in us today. Lord, reveal to us our true heart's condition. Father, whether something has been drawing us away from you, our true husband, Lord, make it known to us and call us back to you. Father, if that's something we've never done before, I pray that your spirit will be convicting of us, convicting us of our need to be covered by your blood. Show us the truth that we cannot ignore this, that we cannot cover it ourselves, that you and you alone are the source 
Thanks for listening to this audio from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.